Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Live, the official Hype Sports Innovation Podcast. Today's session features Javier de Rocafol, the chairman and investment firm Deer Valley Capital. Alongside Hype founder Amir Aved, the two joined together to discuss how Web 3.0 is shaping the future of the investment industry. Stay tuned for yet another jam-packed episode. Welcome to the Sportec Live podcast, Javier. Thank you very much, Amir. That's very kind of you, and thank you for the invitation. Tell us a little bit about you, so people, you know, can get to know a little bit about your background. I was born in a northern northern province of uh, Spain with a ton of history. It's called Aragon, and uh, I moved. Uh, well, I lived in Madrid uh, to do. Uh, my MBA is there, and uh, from there I moved to Barcelona, where I lived for 20 years or so. And then, well, commuting very often to London. And then in 2017, we decided to relocate the whole family with the whole family here in London. And over the course of the last uh, five and a half years, we have been living here. I envy you. I love London. Yeah, London is a now. In you know, we're going to talk about investing in sports uh, tech, investing in general, and you know, focus on Web three and the new opportunities around this. And uh, I, but bef- and in the end, I will ask you some. Uh, I have this thing when I ask five questions, which uh, uh, you know, looking to get something extra from you. Uh, but I want to start with one. Something that you can name that people do not know about you. Yeah, like uh, I gave I gave uh, the example. I can give the example that for uh, I uh, when I was in in my forties for two years, I was wandering in temples around the world and looking for uh, enlightenment, and then got back to what I'm doing now. So something that people do not know about you. Uh, well, I would say I am a very private person, to be honest. So there are uh, like a ton of things that uh, I mean, uh, no one knows about me uh, regarding my personal life. Or, uh, but I would say that only my friends would know that I quit corporate banking um, in my early ages. This was back in the early 1990s, and I quit to uh, convert myself into a ski bum. I'm a crazy skier, and I moved to Utah Wow! to uh, convert myself into a ski bum and make a living out of uh, ski bumming and being an instructor, and I failed miserably. <laughs> I ran out of money, and then I called my father, uh, dad, Please lend me a hand so I can live here in Utah. Wow. Uh, I had a girlfriend then there. Um, beautiful, uh, charming. Uh, she had everything. And uh, I had to I had to leave. I had to leave her. I had to leave uh, Utah. That's why Deer Valley Capital is called Deer Valley Capital. It's uh, my little homage to uh, the time that I spent there uh, that counts within the best 
years of my life, honestly. Wow. Okay. You know, with such an opening, we can only go down now, yeah? Yeah. All right. So let's start uh, Web3. Um, how do you see this Web3? You know, I had a meeting uh, last week. Uh, one of the investors mentioned that for him, Web3, it's like, you know, remember, he said to me, remember the 3D in the cinemas that we had 10 years ago? Nothing stayed left out of that. It's like all disappeared. He believes Metaverse, Web3 are all like, you know, another trend. How do you see that? Well, Amir, um, in my... Uh, well, first of all, you know, I'm not an expert on Web3 stuff and things. I, I am a financier. Uh, I come from in the investment banking background, private equity background. So I'm not an expert and I don't pretend to be an expert. So whatever I've learned about this is basically because I've been uh, and I am very well accompanied and I have the opportunity to learn from very capable people uh, at our company. So so I don't pretend to be an expert. So this is just a personal this is just a personal impression and my personal impression is that that um, even though there are things at web 3.0 so things that are associated to web 3.0 that may or may not be as successful as others what I am pretty sure is that web 3.0 whatever that means in the years to come and uh, I am not 100% sure about anything and certainly I am not 100% sure about the Web 3.0 outcome. Uh, however, mm, we are these days in a world so connected that Web 3.0, in my opinion, will be a reality because uh, it's it's some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. The hype around it is so massive that the money is pouring in and and yeah as said it's a self-fulfilling prophecy so so but if you ask me if my impression is that we will see very strong changes in the way the so-called internet is used and how that impacts our lives my answer is definitely yes we will see huge changes and again some of them will be uh like more based on fundamentals and some others will be part of that self-fulfilling prophecy and that's my impression yeah yeah i i, I agree and i think you know there is a always difference between people that are speaking you know from the theoretical point viewpoint usually it's old people like me or uh, people that actually experience 3D and experience the, uh, you know, the metaverse and uh, this virtual reality uh, or augmented reality experience. And once you, you, do, you know, once you learn about the, you know, ancient uh, Jerusalem, yeah, and, uh, uh, and you go through, you've just lit a cigarette, yeah, that's... Uh, it's something I didn't have in a podcast yet, but yeah. as I said, you're uh, you are doing it your way. Well, uh, all good. Uh, so imagine you have the ancient Jerusalem where you can learn history by that and go through the, the streets and the smells and learn the history through that. 
after you do that, there is no coming back. You're not going to sit in the class and learn history from uh, Rebecca, the teacher. Yeah, it's... Or uh, if you're training in a 3D, you know, I played you, I know you play pedal, yeah, and tennis. Yesterday I played tennis, there is a video of this, and I almost knocked my my leg in the, in the because I was running to a ball, and it's so real, it's so, it's crazy. Now, once you go there, you understand that, you know, but it's not just gaming, you look at healthcare, you yeah. look at meetings, where we can have meetings, not like that, with all due respect to Zoom, but uh, real meetings, in, you know, where you can talk to each other, you can, can be in different places, you can set your scenarios. There's so many applications now, and, you know, and the, the idea that you can bring, I don't know, children from Africa can sit and see the Champions League in the first row. They wouldn't be able to see it in the world. But now, with the five... Euro, you may be able to see it and, and see it along other millions of people as part. So, you know, once you understand the experience and the benefits, I think there is a lot of substance there. Yeah. In addition to what you said, money coming in, you know, the, the, the meta and the Facebooks of the world pouring, you know, billions on that. And this, and investors are now, you know, all, all in. So, but yeah. I agree 100%. This is very powerful. And, and Amir, on top of that, we have uh, decentralized finance, which uh, is... Yeah. Which is a big, big movement and big backwind. And uh, we have the whole, the whole tokenization of activities, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer ability to drive the economy on a more direct... Uh, and an intervene basis and well we will see what the regulators say and well we I mean we will see we, we, we I mean we will see yeah. uh, but so far things are happening in a way that I seriously doubt they have uh, they or they have any capacity to step back um, it's becoming too large it's becoming too relevant and and uh, honestly from as you mentioned before gaming to finance uh, medicine uh, i mean all health applications and stuff uh, in fact our uh, one of our very latest endeavors uh, it's in this particular field um, so so uh, i i think it's it it has a number of items attached to it that, as, as I said before, some of them will naturally occur without them being forced. But whether Meta has to, to force the Metaverse uh, scene, it will happen. It will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. They, they, they have the means, they have the commitment, and and they will make it happen and whenever so you, so you think meta x facebook will uh, almost single-handedly will will make it happen yeah i have no doubt whatsoever zero i have no doubt okay. they will commit they will commit whatever yeah. whatever they need and they can access whatever they need 
Yeah, but it's really uh, uh, what they're doing, and that's a long conversation. I don't think we'll get into this now, but it's not really the decentralizing of, no. of Web3, what, what Meta is doing. In their cases, Metaverse is the, uh, is the social experience. Yeah. It, it's to be present. And, and on top of that, we have the whole data grabbing and stuff, which is very relevant as well. So, so yes, I think they will make it happen in their space. Their, their space. In, the, in their space. Yeah, yeah. All right. Then... Let's. Yeah, I wanna. I wanna uh, jump into um, a little bit of on, on valuation of startups. I know. Uh, you know, you're investing and uh, you're quite active in investing in startups and in different fields. And you already, I think, made the few first investments in this space. Uh, do you see any difference between uh, Web3 startups? To give you an idea, we are now screening, we've just screened over 400 startups to get into the hype program. I can say valuations are higher than uh, I would say ge general sport startups. But when you look at Web3 startups, is it any difference? Do you, do you think, for example, is it different in also in terms of understanding what these guys are doing and also how this will serve the industry? So, you know, you, you, I know you're very active in the uh, motorsports industry. Is it straightforward to really understand how the implementation will do you know what? What's the how would you define the experience, the, the investment process, different from a sportech startup uh, to or regular startup to a Web three startup? Well, I, I would say that uh, if there's a difference in valuation, it's just because of the hype. Uh, I don't see any particular reasons why these startups should be any any more expensive than the previous ones. Uh, Web two point zero. Uh, had like these valuations that everybody was scratching their heads uh, from Silicon Valley to the East Coast, uh, Europe, uh, uh, Middle East, uh, uh, Asia, uh, scratching their heads like saying, how can these guys be asking for so much money at this early stage? And now we are scratching our heads with exactly the same question. So, so I don't think there's a, a, an intrinsic uh, difference. Uh, however, there's a there's a hype around 3.0 uh, as the new the new the hype is everywhere. I tell you, and and and, and yes, probably there's a difference there. Not one that we have noticed really. So probably your experience is broader than ours in this space, uh, Amir. Uh, however, um, I I don't see that much of a difference and on top of that we have seen regular startups that they were not contemplating 3.0 within their pitch or their financial modeling or or their business plan and suddenly they incorporated and they and then you have like a a 2.0 company that so you're saying they're just putting it because it's the, the it's a good momentum and it will help them raise money basically and 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 then you realize that that they have no uh capacity or no no knowledge There's no real essence behind it yeah and and, okay. and and i mean but but it's a good move because okay. it's good to be positioned there so i'm not criticizing the, these companies at all mm -hmm. i think it's a smart 
to try and bring into the equation something that we know it's going to happen, as said before, either because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy or because it really, the market, the customers, the clients, the, the, the corporations, the investors are asking for it. So, so um, that's, but as said, I understand. Your, so, your... So, so basically you think, you know, if the valuation is high, more or less, you believe it's, we are looking at the same uh, patterns that or trends uh, that happened uh, in the you know the last cycles of investing from the dot com to, to web web two uh, and this is part of the cycle uh, not much difference now I know when when we talk your uh, you know your investment uh, you're very much focusing on a very strong team and I know that uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, you're an early stage investor. Usually you come into the game early. Uh, but what are the like what are the big do or die factors that have to be in the startup before you get in? <laughs> and apart from a good team, I understand, of course, we're all looking for an amazing team. The team is great, but what else? Because you have three amazing teams. What will make you to invest in one and not the other? Well, uh, when I when I was uh, pretty young, my father uh, uh, just gave me a book. Uh, my father was a devoted reader, and and I have inherited that. Devoted reader is a nice expression. And and uh, and I have inherited that that passion. So he gave me this book. I was probably in my late teens, and the the title of the book was "What They Will Teach You at Harvard Business School." So a few years later, I was in the States and I saw this book and, and the title was What They Will Not Teach You at Harvard Business School. And this second book, uh, one of the chapters was uh, They Won't Teach You to Listen at Harvard Business School. So we love teams that listen. Basically, we are highly committed to the companies we step into and, and I'm telling you highly committed so we prefer to limit the number of engagements and then work hard shoulder uh, to shoulder with these people so we love teams that have the will to listen uh, I'm not saying we are always right but what I'm saying is that we can transmit and transfer a ton of experience network blah 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 so Teams are critical, as, as said, uh, but we like teams that listen. When they listen, they are willing to look at their company differently, look at their strategy differently, look at their financial planning and financial modeling different, differently, and apply that to pitch into further investors on larger rounds in the future. So we, we really like that. Uh, the second thing we really look very, very, deep into is commitment so uh but but as you can see it's it's all around the people this is all around the soft skills of the team i i put it all in one basket the team has to be a great team great founders good listeners and uh creative and everything around that the team is great what else are you looking for well obviously people are inspiring and you feel they can do the job. What else? Obviously, we look at whatever they are offering, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 
sometimes you find these uh, companies with brilliant guys uh, on board and they are offering something that the market is not demanding or where they have to create a market. These kind of things sometimes are successful, so I'm not saying no, but it's, it's definitely needed in order to speed up things, to look at the market first and then adapt your company to what the market is demanding. And then eventually you can change a little bit your pitch and your strategy in order to fulfill your uh, your ideal of your very own company. So we look at the offering. We obviously, we I mean, but it's needless to say that we are quite... Uh, good at crunching numbers so so uh, we obviously look in a very detailed way the financial models but as explained at the forum uh, the other day uh, Amir um, after having reviewed in my professional life probably I don't know 2,500 3,000 uh, financial models I have never ever seen one that was entirely entirely accomplished. It never. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? So that's why we focus on teams and the strategy and, and the way these teams are looking at their company and their commitment and their ability to make it happen. Uh, uh, most startups, like the vast majority of startups, as much as like 80 something or 90% of them, uh, the mortality of these startups is due to execution inability so the inability of the team to bring what was probably a brilliant idea to the market and make it a successful one how can you how can you check the the execution uh, level of the team if you just met them no and that's say the early stage uh, uh, young promising guys in the age of 25 26. Uh, you can't. You can't. It's a leap of faith. Uh, that's why you have. That's why you want to make sure about the team and their capacities before, uh, beforehand. So uh, since 2012, we started following a model. That is, first we land at the company. So basically, we invest. Uh, we invest teams, uh, our own teams. We landed there. So the way we approach the company is not with direct investment but helping the company moving forward uh, in certain directions if the team at the company is somehow lacking certain firepower in the financial sector or lacking firepower on the strategy side or lacking firepower on product design we land teams of ours we pay for them so it's on our it's on our side uh, and we commit with them that if after a period, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's 12 months, that we have come to work together and understand their capacity to execute, then we can land there uh, with investment, a financial investment. And that we have been doing that with a very large amount of, of companies and it's so you provide them additional services as part of the group which uh, maybe a early stage startups doesn't have uh initially and uh no way you can there's no way you can yeah. execution capacity and and obviously before 2012 we had 
we had like not very uh, happy experiences because we were landing there with money first thing and, and obviously that turned out to be counterproductive for both the company and definitely for ourselves. Got it. We decided to change slightly. It's not that we do that always, but in certain cases, and I would say over the course of the last 10 years, we have done that maybe 50 or 60 times. Uh, in these certain cases, we need to make sure that it's a proper alignment between the company's founders and us in terms of what we can bring to the table and their capacity to execute. So, and that's been working wonderfully. So you're, you're getting more involved. Yes. So we commit. So in initially, it was like any other uh, P or VC uh, investment structure, like landing a board observer and basically sitting on top of our money, just waiting for the multiples to come, basically. So that was a, there was a ton of, of I wouldn't say a spray and pray, but uh, there was a ton of diversification, a ton of companies in which we, we landed. It was impossible to have eyes on all of them. Uh, and then in 2012, uh, we decided to flip that equation slightly. And, and, and I said, not in all cases, but in certain cases. And in those certain cases, we decided to start proposing these kind of things to, to the founders. And to our surprise, uh, they started saying that they really appreciated this more than being injected 300 grand. Because in terms of multiples, they were able to achieve a lot more. And then they pitched with us. They helped, we helped them pitching. We helped them moving forward. And then eventually, we take them to a larger valuation in a much shorter term. Yeah. So it's a win-win. That's what we realized in 2012. Yeah, uh, that's, I think, leads me to uh, a um, something I wanted to ask you. Um, my, uh, my One of my previous uh, podcast uh, guests was a uh, business a philosopher. That's how he defined himself. His name, his name is Ronen Gaffney. Huh? Um, and he uh, shared that he believed that the model of startups uh, is doesn't work the the actual startup uh, if you think about especially now in the context of web3 and the co-creation world and and what he's saying is as follows he says if you think about it a startup is a group of people which uh have no budget initially they're taking people that are willing to work with no budget and to do and deliver projects with no budget until they raise money, yeah, which could be a while. By then, they already have a prototype usually and they have something to show. So, if you think about it, you probably, you know, could have got better engineers if you had budget or and create a better product. So the overall, now, what he's, you know, looking at is the smart contract and the shared uh, creation model of the web 3 which basically says why do we take let's take an engineer which is this is what he's doing he's expert on that and we pay him as 
smart contract NFT for the future product that will come. That way, he will be able to do other projects. We don't need, it's not on our payroll and it's a win-win for everybody. Why do we need to have five, seven people in the payroll here where we only two people working? The rest can be on a smart contract and they can be experts and the best in their field. Not a bad, you know, philosophical idea. And let's see how this is blending in. But, you know, we all know that, that you know, he said to me, you know, would you like to run a startup now? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so how would you look at that? Well, but we look at that in a very similar way as you have just described and that this gentleman uh, had described to you. That's the way we are approaching things since 2012, Amir. Uh, basically, uh, so basically, first you have to make sure that, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like walking the street and then, and then crossing your path with a woman and then just turning around and telling her without talking, would you marry me? Uh, uh, so the answer is probably going to be like, <laughs> screw you. So, so who are you? So it, it's like that in the, in the startup world. It's like crossing your path with one of these teams, one of these founders, and suddenly, and they, these startups are asking, would you marry me to everyone who has a capacity to write a check? So, so the, the ratio of success is obviously small. You first need to prepare things. Uh, and, and, and you need to, I mean, one evening take her to, I don't know, the opera. And, uh, and another day she will invite you over for a couple of beers or a drink somewhere. And then another day you will bring a bucket of flowers. And then another day she will... Uh, I don't know, uh, give you a book or something. That, that, I mean, that, that's the way you start knowing about people. And let's not forget, I mean, despite any any brilliant ideas and, and anything, the execution is going to depend on people. That's why we are obsessed with the teams. And like it or not, you are marrying these guys. And as an investor... You are marrying someone you don't really know and putting your money at stake into a project that has not demonstrated nothing yet since all these companies are normally pre-revenue, pre, 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 even pre-business model. So, yes, I reckon that we are somewhere in many cases in a hybrid between between accelerating companies but also incubating them mm. and that part is what is has proved to be extremely helpful uh for obviously for us but definitely and more importantly because they retain a lot more equity for the founders so uh, we learned it the hard way. It, it was for us in certain cases to approach these companies and have like a, like a previous mutual knowledge of each other. And that has proved to be very, very, very successful. Yeah. So you're inviting, I would say, uh, founders to think about the meaning relationship with investors, not just to do a 
you know, a good pitch and uh, wait for the best. Particularly it's... in early stages, Amir. Particularly in early stages. Because I mean, whenever you are a grown-up and you are pitching your company at two, three hundred million, you know for certain that whoever is gonna jump into the equation, injecting a C round of 30 or 50 or 60 million, is gonna be a professional investor. But the guys landing with you when you are Mr. No one, no one knows about you, no one knows about your company, no one has ever heard about your idea, the guys landing there are taking a huge commitment on your company and that and that needs to be appreciated by the founders as well that the people doing these kind of things are are really making a huge bet on you yeah not just the money it's also the time the resources that's the what, attention the yeah and that's Absolutely. why it's something something else it, it's simply not writing a check that time will come that time will come whenever your company has become successful in financial terms i mean and and you know you are pitching c rounds or d rounds going ipo or i mean whatever but but initially initially it's it's a very close relation there are tons of discussions uh hotlines all the time between the founders and our teams and you know, they call constantly, can you review this contract? Is this term sheet something that we can move forward with? Um, uh, can you help us out here? So it's, it's that kind of very trustworthy relation that you are yeah. that, that you are not going to have on later. I think it's a good point. I think most of the founders are not thinking in those lines. They're more about, you know, we do our pitch, do our pitch, you know, we sound good, we sell a big dream and we get it good and we're in or yeah. at least we are halfway there and uh, you're talking about something more fundamental it's, it's getting into a long-term relationship and we need to know each other a, a, a little bit more beforehand um the i want to talk to you a little bit uh on uh, on what your what motivates you in the morning yeah uh, elon musk uh you know we we cannot you know, open the, you know, you can open, you cannot open the fridge without seeing him, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, everything, everything that he's saying, there is always a why, you know, he is looking to do like, you know, he has great plans for the universe and he, you know, everything he's doing, you know, I think he's, he's, um, I would say portraying his vision very clearly and there is obviously people are enrolled to what he's doing do you have like a why in the morning when you wake up is it just you know do you have any kind of uh what motivates you because i know you've been around you know you you don't probably need to do this for a living what, what motivates you in the morning if it's a uh, you know well if you can share my my I mean, my strongest motivation is my family, uh, but but certainly not to do these kind of things. These kind of things, I do them because I enjoy them. I I, I utterly enjoy them. I, I have a ton of fun, and it's a constant. What are you enjoying? Uh, the, the learning, the learning process. It's uh, for me. It's uh, it's a joy. Uh, learning constantly from guys that know a lot more than I do about 
specific areas like smart contracts, blockchains, tokens, uh, DeFi, uh, all these kind of things that uh, that I knew nothing about. And it's not that I have become an expert at all, but, but at least now I can understand it and I can have a conversation. And certainly I understand what they, when they have a conversation, I would say I understand at least 60 or 70% of what they say. So that makes me feel a lot better. And, and the, the whole learning process for me, it's extremely fascinating. Honestly, it's a learning. It's, it's, it's a huge driver for me. Learning. I can, uh, I can see that for me, I think there is a lot about, I would say feeling meaningful and create, you know, create. And we have close to, uh, uh, finalizing our session, I know uh, uh, it is. We could have done it probably longer, but we try to keep those uh, sessions short and sweet. Maybe we we'll invite you again for another session. But I have like five questions I'm asking my guests uh, in the end, and uh, let's see uh, uh, how you uh, what you can make out of those questions. So, first question. Uh, one person, live or death, that 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 you would love to have a dinner with. My Anywhere. Father. Yeah, who? My father. Your father. Yeah. Uh, he died 26 years ago at a young age. So without a doubt, it would be my father. Okay. Um, a book that impacted you the most or you gave it as a present to people one book that impacted you the most that's a very tricky question for a massive reader like myself oh, uh, de a devoted reader sorry. It, yeah I never wanted to use it again yeah, ah, yeah. No, of course yeah. Uh, oof, um, I mean, I would say the Bible. The Bible? Wow. Yeah, I would say the Bible. Um, Any specific book in the Bible you like? Um, honestly, I, I really like the Old Testament. Uh, and the books in the Old Testament. But, but I would say... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a Catholic, and so I, I I try to live by the book and do things by the book. So, uh, despite many mistakes, however, uh, I try to do things by the book. And and I would say, yeah, the Bible is uh, is the book that uh, Bible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, it's similar to the first one, but different. One person that impacted you significantly in your life could be somebody you know or somebody you just follow. Yeah, somebody famous, somebody that a person that impacted you uh, significantly, or you know. Yeah, the question is very similar to question number one in a sense, and the answer is identical. Your father. Okay, and 
if you had now, uh, maybe you have, but if you have like $2 billion in your bank, what would you have done with them? Poof. Um, um, I mean, I have a plan for that. Okay. Uh, oh, so, so... Can you share just one, one or two ideas out of that? Directions? Uh, my father was a huge promoter of what he called uh, social entrepreneurship. Uh, he promoted it uh, uh, very much at, uh, and he discussed it many times with professors at the ESA Business School. Uh, and, and my plan is to create a foundation uh, under the name of my father in memoriam and, uh, and devote a ton of money there to promote uh, social, social impact social no not social impact but that creators creators of money pe the people with the gift of being able to create wealth which is a bunch of people not everyone is gifted like that uh, the, they so, so to transmit to these guys the appropriate way or try to provide them a direction in the appropriate way to uh, sort of spend their money and the way it helps uh, people around them uh, in a direct and very in a, in, a, in a very direct and personal way so they can fulfill their lives apart from their bank accounts that's because in many conversations with it sounds like something you can do now without two billion dollars in the bank yeah but if, if I had two billion dollars in the bank that it will be much larger and the impact would be gigantic because then I would be all over the news uh, while now I am uh, like in radio silence <laughs> because no one no I one attention to a small uh, foundation in that direction. I love it. Uh, so yeah, you'll have the mass uh, to enroll other, uh, you know, social uh, uh, investors, entrepreneurs to to make an impact globally. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe, by the way, you can do it on a small scale as well, which also can make a difference and can create meaning and uh, impact uh, people in a small way. But it's so small that no one is paying attention to it. Okay. I got it. Last question. In many, many years from now, when you move to the other world, when you die, what will be written on your stone? Uh, I have no clue, uh, Amir. I mean, I have no clue. I, I have, as my father taught me since I was a kid, uh, don't get too attached to anything on this earth. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not very attached to whatever is written on my tombstone, even if I have one. So as a Catholic, I believe I will be in a much better place, and 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 I don't, I don't have any kind of attachment to anything earthy. Zero, zero, money, cars, zero. I have no attachment whatsoever. So, so I care less about my tombstone. Beautiful answer. 
Okay, Javier de Rocafort. It was again a real pleasure. I have a feeling we'll uh, we'll do this again. I Thank think you. it was great. Uh, I would say inspiring and interesting. Uh, whether you know uh, people in the other side are uh, investors or entrepreneurs or just you know people around us. It was fascinating, at least for me, and I'm sure for others. Uh, Thank you all for joining today. Uh, we'll see you later next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amir, my friend. Thank you, Javier. That's it for today's session. Be sure to check out all our previous and future recordings by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and more by searching for Hype Sports Innovation. Until next time.